verse number 7. We'll read verses 7, 8, 9, and 10. It's good to see everyone here in the house of God tonight. Amen. Praise God. Amen. There's more. Uh, is this even or odd tonight? What is this? This is even. There's more odd that are showing up than even. So uh, if you know some even folk, you need to tell them we're not quite measuring up. We got the, the odd. We got, I can't let them do this uh, to us. But having said that, it's good to see everybody here in the house of God tonight. And we welcome you. And if you're not here and you're odd, no pun intended, but the number is odd. We want to say to you that we're thankful for you as well. We're thankful for the family of God, and we're thankful for the house of God, and we're thankful for what makes up the church. And what makes up the church is people, good people. And I'm thankful to be a part of good people. Amen. Praise God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And we want that to be manifested in our body and in our life. These are powerful words, powerful scriptures. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed. And for a few moments tonight, I want to speak on this subject, spiritual epicenter in an earthly earthquake. Spiritual epicenter in an earthly earthquake. Lord, we thank you and praise you tonight for your word. We praise you for the establishment of it. We stand before you in the house of God tonight. And we ask that there would be strength that comes, encouragement that comes from your power and your anointing, your word. We thank you for everybody that is gathered together both in this building and outside of this building. And I pray that through these words that we have even read in our text tonight, that there would be a strength and an anointing that comes because we recognize the power of Calvary and the life that we bear in our body because of what you richly have done. We ask these things in your great name and we say amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Let's love him together. Make some noise. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Praise God. You can be seated. Spiritual epicenter in an earthly earthquake. The epicenter is the point on the earth's surface vertically above the focus of an earthquake. It means that when we're talking about plate tectonics and we're talking about earthquakes, Many times we'll feel the ramifications or the aftershocks or we'll be far enough away that we feel something, but we're not near the epicenter. 
and seismologists study this kind of thing. They track this kind of thing. And so they can tell you what it is on the Richter scale, how powerful it is, and they can make a determination as to where the epicenter is. Where was it centered? And that point is beneath the Earth's surface where the actual plate tectonics start moving and operating, whether they're moving vertically, shifting, or horizontally. And so the epicenter has to be the point on the Earth's surface that is above the focus of what you are feeling. I'm talking about a spiritual epicenter. I'm talking about being at the point being at the center of, being in close connection to what God is doing. That's where I want to be. I want to be where God is in the midst, the epicenter, spiritually. Amen. I don't want to get so cold and indifferent that I miss out on the opportunity. No matter what kind of earthly earthquake world that I'm living in, I want to be anchored by the epicenter of what's happening in God's world. And when we read this passage of Scripture, we see Paul talking to the church at Corinth, and he is saying, we, we, we are facing the earthly earthquake. We're going through difficulties. We're troubled on every side. We, are, we, we, we find all of these things that, that is a shaking in our world that is around us. But he knows and he recognizes in every one of those circumstances that there is an epicenter that we are anchored to that causes us in the midst of all all of that upheaval to have a stability and to have a strength because we know who we're serving and we know the power of the cross. And so no matter what happens, it can happen. We know that we're going to be anchored in what God is doing because that's the epicenter. That's where it's happening. And it's manifested in our body. Another terminology or definition of that is the central point of something. So not only does it uh, describe plate tectonics and earthquakes and all the ramifications and intricacies of an earthquake, but it's the central point of something. Typically a difficult or unpleasant situation. It's the central point of something. We've got to keep the main thing, the main thing, no matter what we're going through. Praise God. It's almost platitudes when we talk about when you're on the mountain type, it's all about what God is doing. And when you're in the valley, it's all about what God is doing. So whether you're on the mountaintop or whether you're in the valley, it's all about giving God the glory and God the praise. Same thing here. No matter what occurrence takes place in your life, whether it's up or whether it's down, it doesn't matter because you're anchored to the one that anchors your soul, which is anchored to the power of Calvary, which is anchored to eternal life, which is something that takes place from the heavenly and touches us on the earthly. No matter what's going on on the earth, we know that we've got something stronger on the earth because God is extending his power and his mercy and his ability that comes from outside of this world. That's what the central point is. That's the central point of everything. I'll tell you how I make it in this time frame right now, through the anointing and through the power of God. If I didn't have the, the anointing of God and the ability of God, I certainly wouldn't make it. But no matter what's happening, whether it's an earthquake, a pandemic, a war, what anchors me is the power of God. Amen. And his anointing. Are you thankful tonight? We have this treasure, this gospel, this power in earthen vessels. 
Amen. We're going through difficult times, said Paul. He would say we're going through times of earthquake, but we are connected to a spiritual epicenter. What mode are you in here tonight? Are you in survival mode or are you in revival mode? I'm not in survival mode. I recognize we've got a lot of upheaval, but if we take our eyes off the ball, we get ourselves in survival mode instead of revival mode. I believe you can have revival no matter what you're going through. This church in Corinth had revival even though they were troubled on every side, even though they were perplexed, even though they were persecuted, even though they were cast down, they were still having revival. Why? Because God was in the midst of what they were doing. And they recognized the epicenter is the power of God's anointing. We're not careful. We get in survival mode. We look at too many things around us. It can be depressing. We're in survival mode. But when you get an understanding of what God is doing and your connection to what God is doing and the kingdom of God, that's revival mode. And so no matter what happens, I'm going to rejoice because God is doing great things in my life. He's working where I don't even see it. And he's involved me and invited me to be involved in what he is doing and I am thankful for that revival or survival revival I want to be in revival mode revival mode needs a strong focus and a strong faith if you're in survival mode you're going to walk around in doubt Jesus couldn't do any mighty works in his own hometown because they doubted him. That's, that's survival mode. Revival mode is it doesn't matter where he's from. He is performing miracles. Survival mode is fear and worry and anxiety. But revival mode is a strong faith and a strong focus. We can look at different models in our world. We can look at business models and we can talk about situations and phrases that individuals use that would never work in the real world, someone might say. What they're saying is it's not going to work. We've tried it before. It doesn't work. And people talk about this whenever there's a fresh idea or there's some new creativity. That will never work in the real world. And if that's all you're hearing, that real world can sound awfully depressing. It can be a depressing place to live. Scratch the surface and you will find that these real world inhabitants are filled with pessimism and despair. And even worse, they want to drag others down into their tomb. Seems like this is the motivation of the media. Let's just pull everybody down and make everybody feel terrible. I'm coming tonight to tell you that there's a hope that maketh not a shame. I'm not dragging anybody down. I want to lift people up with the gospel. If you don't have any hope, there's hope in the house of God tonight. Amen. Because Jesus is doing a work. John chapter 3 and verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what you have seen and heard, that he testifieth. 
Praise God. Jesus is from above and he's coming to the earthly. Whatever takes place in the earthquakes on the earthly can be established based on the spiritual epicenter that is in the center of what God is doing and God is there. John chapter 8 and verse 22, then said the Jews, will he kill himself because he saith, whither I go, you cannot come. And he said unto them, you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Jesus was trying to point out he comes from the heavenlies. That's the spiritual epicenter. The nourishment that we need that is greater than physical food is the spiritual nourishment that we receive from the word of God. That's a central fact. I need God's anointing and his word and his presence more, said the psalmist, than my necessary food. More to be desired are they, yea, more than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. There is something that I crave, and that's God's anointing and God's ability. When I'm in the earth and I'm experiencing the earthquakes, I need to experience God's anointing and God's power and a move of the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to get so bogged down that in the midst of turmoil, I don't connect to the throne of God, connect to the ability of God. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? I desire a move of his spirit. Hallelujah. We can have a move of the spirit right here in this place for where two or three are gathered together. He's in the midst of them. there. James said, but if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. You, you see the discrepancy there? The wisdom from above versus the wisdom from beneath. The spiritual epicenter is the wisdom that comes from above. The earthly earthquake is the wisdom that is from beneath. And James said it is earthly, it is sensual, it is devilish. But on the other hand, there is a wisdom that comes that is without partiality and without hypocrisy. At some point, if you in fact believe that revival needs strong faith and strong focus, you have to draw a line in the sand. You have to make a stand. You have to make a determination. I'm not following the wisdom of the world. I'm going to follow the wisdom that is from above. And you have to make a stand in the midst of that. Joshua, when he's making his way into the promised land and he doesn't know everything because there are earthquakes, there's, there's a determination of whether or not we can even do it or make it. There have been negative reports, but Joshua said, wait a minute, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Does doesn't matter what happens, we're serving the Lord. Doesn't matter if there's victories, we're going to serve God. If there's defeats, we're going to serve God. Hallelujah. If there's...
turmoil, we're still going to serve God. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. The point is we're going to make a determination. Amen. As for me and my house, we are going to serve God. It's making a stand. It's standing up. It's making an effort. Praise God, praise God. We live in a world in which you're going to have to make a determination. You can't waffle between the two sides, the wisdom from above or the wisdom from beneath. you got to make a determination. I am going to live for God. I'm going to give it my all, my best effort. No matter what comes my way, I am going to serve the Lord. And I'm going to serve the Lord with gladness. Hallelujah. The world doesn't need a bunch of Christians with their head down, their lip dragging the ground, feeling like they've been trampled on and the devil has just beat them black and blue. What the world need is a Christian, hallelujah, that has their head up, their shoulders back, that says emphatically, I am a child of God. I'm making a determination. I am committing my life to the things of God. Praise God. Businesses have this kind of strong point of view. You're not going to make it if you don't have a strong point of view. Not just a product or a service. You have to believe in something. It's not just a product that is a physical thing. You've got to believe in that product. Amen. You have to have a confidence in it. You have to have a backbone. You need to know what you're willing to fight for, and then you need to show the world that I'm willing to fight for it. I'm not running, but I'm staying here. I'm fighting for the good things of God. And strong stances are not free. You'll turn some people off. They will accuse you of being arrogant and being aloof, and that's just life. For everyone that knows you, and loves you, there are going to be some that hate you. If no one's upset by what you're saying, you're probably not pushing hard enough. This is why when we come to this pulpit, we must preach what is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's going to cross some people's theology, but if we're not saying it, then we've watered it down, and nobody comes to a crossroads to make any determination about what they should or should shouldn't do. Praise God. I'm thankful for a new birth message that we preach often. And if people don't know about it, they should hear it from the pulpit enough to measure themselves up against it. Amen. Amen. You're probably not pushing hard enough and you might be boring if you're not making a stand about something. Amen. Praise God. Vinny's, let's have a look at Vinny's sub shop in Chicago. That's it. Vinny's sub shop. Sub shop. There it is. And they have made a particular stance, a very popular sub shop in Chicago. But you better show up on time because this is, this is just a determination that they have made. And that is, when they close, the person behind the counter will say, we close when the bread runs out. So it doesn't matter what time you get there, and it doesn't even matter, there's not even a closing time. Some people get disappointed in that, but their response is this. 
We get our bread from the bakery down the street early in the morning when it's the freshest. And once we run out, usually around two to three, we close up shop. And so if it's a good day, we may even close before two o'clock. So if you don't make it here while there's bread, you're not getting any bread. Well, that's offensive to me. I came and I wanted a sub sandwich. Well, sorry, you're going to have to come back tomorrow because we're out of bread. They have made a determination. They have taken a stand and people respect them because I may not get a sub sandwich, but when I do, it's a really good sub sandwich because it's fresh bread. Sometimes you have to make a stand about what you believe in. And if you want revival in the midst of a world that's full of earthquakes, there's got to be an epicenter that you feel strongly about. I want you to know tonight, I feel very strongly about being a one God, apostolic, born again, heaven-bound believer that trusts in the name that is above every name, <laughs> that says it is important that that name is applied to your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You have to make a determination. Got to take a stand. Paul, when he was talking to Titus, he sent Titus to the island of Crete and gives to us some of these verses. For this cause I left you in Crete that you should set in order the things that are wanting and obtain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. For there are many, verse 10, there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. Describes them, goes on and, and describes all of their deeds. They're abominable and disobedient. Every good work, reprobate. This is where you are being sent. Titus, you are not, you are not going to survive if you don't believe in what you're preaching and you make a stand for who you are and what you are. If you don't, they are these people, these people who are abominable, disobedient, and every good work, reprobate, are not going to give you the time of day. But he went on to say, but you speak the things which become sound doctrine, sound doctrine, that you speak the things that concern sound doctrine. Verse number eight, sound speech, chapter number two, that cannot be condemned for that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed having no evil thing to say of you. Titus, you got to you got to arrive in Crete and you got to arrive in Crete with an attitude that says. I'm coming to this place to set some things in order. I believe in what I'm preaching. I believe what I'm teaching. I'm drawing a line in the sand, and I'm saying you can be abominable and reprobate and unbelieving, but there's going to be a church here on the island of Crete, and some people are going to throw off that pattern of lifestyle and say, I want to get in the midst of what God is doing. And Paul said, Titus, if you don't do that, there's not going to be any revival and there's going to be no move of God so when you step on that island and you step into that place you have to pick a fight I'm not talking about physical fighting I'm talking about spiritual fighting Titus you've got to go in there with an inspiration amen praise God anybody here had I can't believe it's not butter anybody had that before Show us what that looks like. I don't even know what that looks like. I can't, I don't even know if I've tasted that. But there's a product 
that is called, I can't believe it's not butter. Now, how do you think that makes butter feel? Huh? That is right there is a fight because somebody is saying what we've got is better than butter and it's better for you. What? No artificial preservatives, unbelievable taste, and it's original with simple ingredients and better for you than butter. That's making a statement. That is establishing something and that is saying we're, we're, going, to, we're going to compete we're going to compete for your market share because we believe we can take some things from you. I believe it's time, even in the midst of earthquakes and earthly earthquakes that we are going through right now, I believe that it's time not to back up, acquiesce, walk away, feel like nothing can be done. We're just kind of hanging on and surviving with whatever we can do. I believe it's time to take spiritual territory because we're at the epicenter of what God is doing. I'm not walking away from a move of God. I'm walking to a move of God. I'm believing in revival. I'm not walking away from revival. I'm saying God can have revival now. Can have revival now. Amen. Every example that you find that builds faith in the scripture are individuals that take up the inspiration and motivation Jonathan, we gain great strength from Jonathan and his armor bearer. We're going to show ourselves to the Philistines, and if they say come up, we're going up because God is going to give us this victory. They stepped out. David is known and gives us great faith because he didn't let a giant run him back into a tent. But he said, "There is, is there not a cause? <laughs> My daddy sent me out here to give you some lunch. But there's something greater going on here. And even though I'm not considered a warrior, something has to be done. And we get faith from that because somebody was willing to take a stand. Praise God. In scripture that we read, individuals like this help us. Caleb, Caleb at 80 years old, he was one that went in with the 10 spies. He came back and he said, we can take the land. There was a negative report that said, yeah, but there's giants. They're way bigger than us. We can't do it. And they wondered for 40 years years in the wilderness. Caleb, when he steps into the promised land at 80 years of age, 80 years of age, anybody here at 80 years of age here tonight? Is there anybody? Raise your hand. Brother Kaufman. Can you imagine Brother Kaufman? You're stepping into the promised land, and when Caleb steps into the promised land, he says, I want the mountain that I, I, I saw 40 years ago. <laughs> I want the same mountain, the biggest, the baddest. I'm going, and I'm taking down some giants. I'm not going to let a young whippersnapper do anything different and, 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 and upseat me, but I'm going with tenacity and power. We gain great strength from that. Why? Because somebody said, I'm going, I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to make a difference. And because of that, we gain great faith from it. There's a difference even in the New Testament about a shepherd and a hireling. Jesus said a hireling runs off. It's not their sheep, and so he doesn't. When the wolf comes, he leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he's a hireling, and he doesn't care 
for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. I'm taking a stand. I'm taking a stand. I'm not a hireling. A hireling just runs away. But I'm taking a stand. If you want revival, praise God. I want revival, not survival. If you want revival in the midst of earthly earthquakes, you got to be connected to an epicenter. And that's God's anointing. The nature of revival requires a person to go forth from the epicenter. Ladies and gentlemen here tonight, I don't want to live on the margins. I don't want to live when the ripple effect goes from the epicenter and gets way, way, way out there. I want to be in the epicenter of what God is doing. Paul and Silas are in prison and they start praying and worshiping and singing and praising God because they're doing the mission of God and the work of God. There is an earthquake, the epicenter. The epicenter is right below the jail. There's an earthquake and the doors are open and they walk out of there in revival and in power because they were living in the epicenter of what God was doing. I've got to say no to the margins. I've got to say no to the faraway experience. I've got to say no to living off someone else's experience. I've got to live off of, I've got, I've got to say no to living on a state far removed from where the epicenter is. I want to be in the midst of what God is doing, the revival that is taking place. I want to be in the middle of it. I want to be in the midst of it. So there's some things you're going to have to say no to. I'm going to have to say no to my flesh. It's so easy to say yes. <clears throat> People get themselves in major trouble by, especially in, in some companies, they start diversifying. <clears throat> I've always been suspect of going in some places that are fast foods and they're multidimensional. What are you doing? Green burrito or what's that? Carl's Jr. Well, what is it? <laughs> are you making hamburgers or burritos? All right, if I can't figure out what you're doing, I, I'm, there's a better hamburger out there and there's a better burrito, but you're trying to do both. Diversifying, trying to say yes to too many things. Soon a stack of things that you said yes to grows so tall you can't even see the things that you should really be doing. And so sometimes it's best to say no to get my priorities right. And very rarely do you regret saying no. Very rarely. But you often regret saying yes. Why do people say yes and not no? Because confrontation makes them uncomfortable. But the alternative, ladies and gentlemen, is worse because then things become more complicated and I'm working on ideas that I don't really believe in and I'm spread too thin. I've got to say no to some things in my life, amen, to be connected to the epicenter of what God is doing. I've got to say no to the world. I've got to say no to my flesh. I've got to say no to temptations that come my way, and I have to make a determination. I'm going to live in the spiritual 
epicenter of God's anointing. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to draw a line. I'm going to establish myself. I'm going to pursue revival. I'm going to make an effort of it. Amen. No matter how difficult it gets, I'm still going to make an effort. These Corinthians that Paul is writing to, their lives are made difficult. And, and we can somewhat, I don't, I don't think it's to the same level, but we somewhat can get just a small taste of what that first century church was going through in their distress, in their persecution, in their difficulty, in everything that they were going through living in the world that they were living in. Sometimes God positions us in things and circumstances that are difficult to determine what we're really made of, what we're really made of. Hallelujah. What kind of backbone is in us? Are you going to serve God when difficulties come? Yes, I'm going to serve God. When temptation comes, are you going to serve God? Yes, I'm going to serve God. When persecution comes, are you going to serve God? Yes, I'm going to serve God. No matter what I'm going through, I've made an effort and determination. I am not going to let anything draw me away from the house of God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God. It's not worth it. I'm preaching to you here tonight. It's not worth it. What is worth it is the peace of God, the strength of God, and the house of God. Don't walk away from that opportunity. Focus on that. Those are the things that will not change. Oh, I know I'm preaching to some folks here tonight that you served God for many, many years. And if there's ever a testimony, you could, you could testify and say, God has always been faithful. God has always been on time. Praise God. When I walked away or when I looked the other way or when I took my eye off the ball or when I took my foot off the gas, it was me. It wasn't a problem with God because God has always been what he said he was going to be. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the ending. He's the first and the last. He's carried me through every storm, every battle, every situation. God is faithful. Praise God. There's no variableness. There's no shadow of turning in him. Some folks want to launch out into what is hot and what is new. And they follow after trends, things that are trendy, things that are happening. And that can become, if one is not careful, that can become a fool's path. Because you start focusing on things that change rapidly. I think it's okay to observe things that are happening and ponder and question how can that be integrated and how can that be used. But you don't just run out there and totally change stuff because you, your focus is on what doesn't change. There's a lot of conversation right now because a lot of people are not having services in church, so it's turning to online media and social media and things that, things that people have to do. There's no other opportunity, so that's what they have to do. Even if they were cautious in the past, they're having to do some of these things. And for some people, they think that this is the new age, the new normal. This is where everything is going. You can have church at home. 
my, listen, you, you, you can view church and you can have church at home the best that you can, but it, it's not going to take the place of being in the house of God, worshiping with the people of God and feeling the anointing of God. It's just not the same. Praise God. I'm looking for a day. I'm perplexed. I'm distressed, but there's coming a day in which we're all going to be in the house of God and God's presence and his anointing is going to move and we're all going to be together worshiping him in the house of God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. You focus, you focus on things that, that don't change. You can accent, you can enhance, and this has pushed us to think about how do we communicate? Not used to doing that. How do, how, how do we connect with people? So it forces us into other options. But there, there is just nothing like. Now, maybe for some other denominations you can do this. But for us who are apostolic, who believes that Jesus is the epicenter, and he is, when he's worshiped and praised, he dwells and inhabits the praises of his people. That's referring to Israel, but it's okay because it's the same in the church because he said, where two or three are gathered together, I'm there. His presence is here in the house of God when we are here and we're worshiping him. And there's a movement and anointing of God that starts rippling and there's an effect and, and, and there is a power that is connected to us when we gather in the name of Jesus Christ. I believe we should be having church before deja vu should be opening. I believe we should be having church before some liquor store is open. Come on, what in the world is wrong with our with our governmental officials that want to push the church to the very back of things? We need the house of God. We need the church. We need the body of Christ. We need the word of God. We need the epicenter of his anointing and his presence. Praise God. No matter what you do, no matter what you do, you have to start at the epicenter. Hmm, there's stuff you could do. There's the stuff you want to do. And there's the stuff you have to do. That's why so many people are at lows. <laughs> We're social distancing. Hey, get away from me. What in the world? Everybody's at lows. Or Home Depot. Why? Because they're working on projects with all these. There's the stuff you could do, the stuff you want to do, and the stuff you have to do. Well, the stuff you have to do is where you have to begin, right? I'd like to do, I want to do that. Do you, do you, do you typically do that? gets pushed off into the back burner. I, I want to do that. There's the stuff that I want to do. There's the stuff I could do. I, you know, I could do that. That stuff gets pushed to the back burner because you know, and I know, all of us know, that the epicenter is what I have to do. <laughs> I'm in real trouble if, if I'm not paying attention to what I have to do and base things on what I could do and what I want to do. But there's some things that I have to do. And that's where you start. And the church has an epicenter as well. What is it that we have to do? I'm talking about a spiritual epicenter in earthly earthquakes. And we find ourselves in that environment. 
that the church still has an epicenter by which we operate. John chapter 3 and verse number 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That's the epicenter. The epicenter of the church is a new birth experience. I need the renewing of the Holy Ghost in my life. I'm thankful tonight that I'm in this place and I feel the anointing of God and the presence of God because I need a renewing of the Holy Ghost. That's the epicenter of the church. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38 is the epicenter of the church. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That is the epicenter of the church. That's the anchoring of the church. It's what I have to do. Second Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse 17 says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. That's the epicenter. The church has an epicenter. It has an anchor. Amen. I'm thankful. You know, you know, you know what makes us what we are? I have 76 years, 76 or 77? 76 years. 77. 70, 76. One, seven, 76, 77, 77, 76, 77, 77, 11, 11, 77, 77. Is it 76 or is it 71? 77. Almost 76, so it's actually 76. Sold to the highest bidder, Brother Martin Field. 76 years, almost 77. All right. It's got got an epicenter. The church has an epicenter. And the reason why we've gone through a lot of troubles and difficulties that some naysayers could sit back and say, how do you even have a church? The reason why is because there is an anchor and an epicenter, about a spiritual epicenter that keeps us in every earthquake. Praise God. The disciples are on the boat. There's storms and difficulties, upheaval. It looks like they're going to be overtaken. And they wake up Jesus and they said, don't you worry that we're going to perish. And Jesus steps out on the bow of the boat and he looks at the elements and he says, peace, be still. They got a good opportunity to see that when the storms blow and the difficulties blow, If Jesus is on the boat, the epicenter is there in the storm, in the earthquake, in the difficulty. My, I feel faith in this place tonight. In the middle of a pandemic, 50-plus something, I don't even know how far along we are, where we're still shut in place, and who knows who knows how long it's going to be, all these phases, and everybody's all getting getting all kinds of turmoil and and difficulty, and everybody's got an opinion, and they span from either end of the spectrum and it seems like a lot of confusion I'll tell you in the midst of all of that stuff I'm going back to what really matters and that that's the epicenter Jesus I want you to center me today I want you to center me in your word today praise God as we stand together I'm going to take time and I'm going to pray and I'm going to seek you and I'm going to ask you for your ability and your anointing hallelujah because I recognize that the spiritual epicenter is right now connecting to the kingdom King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. In the middle of an earthquake, there's an epicenter of strength. And so I'm focusing, I'm focusing upon you. Amen. A spiritual epicenter in an earthly 
earthquake. I'm not focusing on what everybody else is saying. You know, it doesn't do you any good to pay attention to the competition because you know what you have. You're convinced of it. And I'm not going to get obsessed by what everybody else is doing. What are they doing right now? What are they going to do next? How should we react? Every little move becomes something to be analyzed. And it leads to stress and anxiety and a state of mind that is bad for growing anything. It's out of, out of your control. So why not focus on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Praise God. Why not focus on him instead of everything else that is going? Because he ultimately is the epicenter of everything that I am doing. And in the house of God tonight, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, the best place for you to be as we stand together in the house of God tonight is right here in this place, right where you might be in your home feeling the anointing of God. Praise God. This is the best place to be because the anointing of God is here. It captivates me. It motivates me. It inspires me. Amen. So there may be earthquakes and there may be storms and there may be difficulties. Amen. But I know that I'm walking with a God that is faithful. Hallelujah, with a God that is able to bring strength and encouragement and anointing. Amen. In the house of God tonight, what do you say? We stay connected to the epicenter spiritually, to the epicenter of what God is doing with uplifted hands and an uplifted voice. Amen. Let's acknowledge his presence and his goodness. Lord, we may be on tossed waves, a boat.